podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome, lovely listeners, to the Anfield Index podcast. It's episode 248 and it is me again, Trev Danny, and I am podcasting to you from that place that you know very well at this stage from the intros. And I'm also joined by those lads that you know very well from the intros, Carl and Cam and guys producing. And I was just thinking earlier on that maybe some of these days I should start doing podcast introductions that are a little bit different, like in the style of somebody. I'm going to do that from next week and I'm going to see if we can do a little quiz where you can guess it. But this week... To start off, because we are playing Sheffield United at the weekend, I thought I'd give you a little compilation video, which is a compilation of one of Sheffield's famous favourite sons, uh, a fella known to most of you as Sean Bean. And um, Sean is was was uh, he was in a, a movie actually uh, that you might be aware of called When Saturday Comes. He was. He was, uh, yeah. He was. Uh, he was anxious to uh, get over his drunken ways, and you know, somehow managed to have a redemptive story arc and play for Sheffield United. And I just thought, wow, this is really, really fitting because I just wanted something humorous and entertaining to uh, begin your uh, your little bit today on the show with. So here it is. This is Sean being saying. Bastard, in as many different ways, and it's Sean Bean saying it with that lovely Sheffield United, Sheffield United, Sheffield accent, uh, and it's mostly from that show Sharp. So here we go. You're my washing bastard. Move you bastards! Move you lazy bastards! You fat bastard! Those bastards! You stupid bastard! There's a French bastard in these mountains called Loop. Bastard. 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 That bastard was gone off even when he was alive. You bastard. With the bastard that stole him. He's a crafty little bastard. Get that bastard yet. The bastard's gone to get help. Let's finish that bastard up once and for all. Big show. Bastard. And you're still the same cruel flogging bastard. You lily me like a Dutch bastard! <laughs> the bastards in it, this, but you think this is the bastard who sets us up for the flogging. Bastard! They know how to deal with bully bastards like you! You pink bastards do that! You little toothless bastard! Pick a sack, you miserable bastard! Stand by, you bastard! Bastard! <laughs> bastard! Any man! comes between me and that bastard. I knew the bastard weren't to be trusted. Come on then, you yellow bastards. What's the matter, you bastard? I think I'd sooner the bastard he were. <laughs> Madrid bastard. What's the other bastard? Mark every other gutter bastard. Hey! And that was the Sean Bean saying bastard clip. I found it immensely amusing. I thought it was quite timely. And uh, I did like Sharp back in the day. I did have a fondness for it. Um, and Sean Bean, I have a little fondness for him because he dies in every single thing he's in. So God yeah. love him. And hopefully, hopefully, that's a lovely metaphor for what will be a tough battle that the Reds will win the weekend. But more of that anon. 
For now, let me introduce, as usual, Carl Kopak to your ears. Mr. Kopak, what have you got to start us off with? Well, I, I, before I do it, can I talk about my own Sheffield United thing? It's my favourite Sheffield United thing ever. Is in I went to the Ashes in Headingley in 1997, and there was a Sheffield United fan behind us, and he kept singing all the way through the game. Uh, England are getting battered, by the way, and he, he kept shouting, singing, um, he's a blade, he's a blade, he's a blade, and he's a blade. Listen to everyone. And so his mate pointed out that he was pointing at Glenn McGrath, who was the, the, um, <laughs> the Australian bowler who was just bowling the shit out of London, uh, about of England all day. And he just stood up and very, very poignantly just shouted, Glenn McGrath is not a blade. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, they're a proud lot, right? They're an immensely yeah. proud parochial, yeah. uh, territorial sort of uh, lot. And um, I listened to Harry Setti's Rival Recon Pad, and it was very interesting. The guy that they had on was very engaging, and he gave a full story and background to um, to Sheffield United, as currently stands under Chris Wilder. And it's interesting. I look forward to dropping a few of those little bits and bobs later on. But as usual, Carl, we'll get back on track with after your your um, your Sheffield United story. What is it you had to lead us off with? I've, I've, I've gone with the governor um, about this week in the world. Uh, the quote's this. No one believes more firmly than Comrade Napoleon that all animals are equal. He would, he would be only too happy to let you make your decisions for yourselves. But sometimes you might make the wrong decisions, comrades. And then where would we be? Mm, I love it for so many reasons, but yeah. primarily, primarily because tonight is open night in my school and I was laying out the books and we're putting on the dog and pony show so that all the students will come to my school. And of course, the last book that I laid out was Animal Farm by Mr. Oh, really? Orwell. It was, and I had a little sort of fond uh, little look at it and flick the truth and try to pick out one or two lines that, you know, you, you know when you know a book so well. Um, I'm going to leave you to explain, if you wish, the context, or we can just let that sit because it should be obvious. Well, to uh, well can, I add, can I add a second? Because I was going to do this one. But, uh, oh, yeah. Um, like, Twelve voices were shouting in anger, and they were all alike. No question now what happened to the faces of the pigs. The creatures outside looked from pig to man, and from man to pig, and from pig to man again. But already it was impossible to say which was which. And there you have it. Actually, no further questions, Your Honor. No further questions, no further comment. Um, and if you're sitting there scratching your head, like, you know, <laughs> I don't want to say to you, uh, except here's Cambridge. Uh, because. You're scratching his head. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking, pigmen? What's going on? Uh, so, but anyway. I'll, I'll, I'll very quickly say that animal farmers basically, the pigs take over the farm from Mr. Jones, but of course they become more corrupt the more powerful they get. So animals aren't allowed to wear clothes apart from Napoleon. And the big line is um, um, all animals are equal, but some are more equal than others. And it's about corruption, like sort of, you know, breaking the law from the prime minister, that sort of thing. <gasps> For the record, that, that um, all podcasters are equal as well, but some podcasters are more equal than others. I've noticed this over the years. Yeah. I have this uh back to you mr branch and um after we 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 did the cliff's notes in case there were people who were sort of scratching their heads um i know you were kidding about scratching your head but what have you got to start us off with uh i, I was going to ask three quick questions and add two quick quotes but i think 
we've got a lot to cover today, or maybe not. So I'll just do the two quick co- quotes for you. Oh, no, go on, I like questions. Oh, go on then, I'll do the questions. All right, I'll do the questions first then. They're, they're very, very quick. Um, first one. What is the only number not to have a Roman numeral? Zero? Correct. Second question. Back in the net, Tony. Not terrible. Um, um, Strictly speaking, there's zero. All right, we'll carry on. Yeah, two football questions now. General knowledge: Which player holds the record for the most consecutive Premier League appearances? Is it goalkeeper? Mm Hmm. David James. David James. No. Did you, you say it was a goalkeeper? Yep. Premier League appearances? Yep. I'll check. No. Jens Lehmann? No. Need a clue? Good, yeah. Good club. Liverpool? David James? No. Rayner? No. Can't be Dudek. No. Tell me it's not Miggs. No. <laughs> Friedel, no. Yes. West, best of, is it, what? Friedel. Brad Friedel, 310. Okay, right, right, right. Very good, yeah, because he was with Blackbird for all those years. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Oh, Christ. Even though I've got it right, I'm appalled. Uh, last question then. Um, seeing as it's sort of one each now. It's not at all. It's absolutely one and nothing. Now this is the deciding scene. I did say sort of. Yeah, I know you did. Go on. Okay. Uh, right. Last question. Again, general knowledge football. Who scored the first perfect hat trick, left foot, right foot, and a header in the Premier League? Peter uh, Christ. Not Peter Crouch said, okay. Mm-hmm. Guys, not Adam Lallana, mate. You need to score goals for that. You can always rely on Guy for quality in- input. That's good. Um, I am going to say, uh, g- give us an era there, Horst. Oh, an era would be 2000s. Oh, might be, I don't, I don't have the actual year, so it might be. Could it be late what? 90s? No, no, no. It would have been, it was probably the 90s. So not the era then. Bergkamp? No. Christ, it took until the noughties. For the, so. for the it could have been. It could have been the end of the nineties. I could be wrong. I don't have the date. But come on, it's not an easy thing to do, Trev. Not Shearer. But yeah, but yeah, but the law of averages, they want to bounce off your left shin and going off your head. And um, is it a striker, man? Yeah, it is striker. It probably was a late nineties, actually. Thinking about this particular player. Gives the club. Leeds. Viduka. No. Hasselbank. Hasselbank. Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank. Two one. One each. One each. Apart from the fact I got two of them right. Yeah, but you didn't. I did. You didn't. I got Friedel right. I said Friedel. You you play the pub back. I won that. Hand just sits back, smoking his cigar. You know, you're the breaks now. Move it along quickly. Move it along to your quads. The deterioration of a government begins almost always by the decay of its principles. And second quote, 
when there is a lack of honour in government, the morals of the whole people are poisoned. Ooh. I don't like that second one. But who is that boy? Uh, the second one was Herbert Hoover. Mm, that makes sense. Who yeah. was the first one? Montesquieu. Montesquieu. M-O-N-T-E-S-Q-U-I-E-U. Montesquieu. I can't say it. <laughs> Montesquieu. Dave. It's, uh, it's Tony. Montesquieu. Yeah, it was, Mont- yeah. Bob Montesquieu. He's a well-known... Um, I'll put it in the chat. Political comedy. I, I, I can see where you're going with both of those. Um, the reason I don't like that second one is the idea of mouth-breathing snobs being responsible for my morality is bullshit, and only a blue blood like fucking Hoover will come out with some nonsense like that. But anyway, let's move along before I get too annoyed, because I'm very annoyed. Oh, I'm very annoyed this week. There's loads of things we, we should we should cover off. Quickly, quickly on the awards, because there are tangential things about the awards that I liked. I liked the shot in the lobby, the video clip that I saw this evening where the three boys are carrying their wheelie cases, done up to the nines, and Klappos having to look around Ali, who's just come around the corner, all dolled up, and he goes, oh, beautiful. I love this. And the reason I love this is it's a lovely moment which indicates one of the best things about our club at the moment. And it's not the fact that Klopp wrote or Ghost wrote a really interesting player tribune, players tribune um, uh, article in the week. Which, that was good. Uh, it was great, but, you know, it's great. It's great. It like the Andy Robble. It's great insight into the fella. But it's not that. Because we already know he's a good fella. We already knew Andy Robbo was a good fella. We already knew Andy Robbo's story and Klopp's story. But it's the atmosphere amongst these absolute gargantuans of the modern game. They're just hanging out like a bunch of lads who get on with each other. And there's no edge and there's no awkwardness. And that makes a big, big difference to me because I am an old sap, uh, Karl Kopak, who enjoys these little things because they make me feel better about my club and that's important to me. Yeah, and, and, and a similar thing was the, the clip of Gomez and Trent playing in the, um, the, the lie game, which was, which, was, which was quite nice. I'm slightly concerned that Trent can't name 20 Premier League clubs, bearing in mind it's his job to go to them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a worry. Yeah, that, that that was just nice. It's just like you know they very very obviously get on, and you know the, 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 their best mates are different mates from the club. Obviously, Gomez gets on very well with Van Dijk, and uh, and Trent gets on with with Henderson because uh, the England links and what have you. But um, yeah, I, I just it's just it is really nice. But um, I, I will temper that slightly by saying that it is nice because we're European champions. I think I'd be a bit annoyed if we were sixth in the league. Oh, yeah, yeah, lovely lads, but any chance of winning the game, you know. I would fully expect you to take that tack because I do myself. And it, uh, again, it, you know, we're doing back to back pods here because Guy Drinkle's a uh, uh, superstar um, producer who's very much in demand and we have to kowtow to his schedule. We just literally finished it, the um, the pod with, with uh, our Danish chum and he was saying something similar. Like, it, it's all very well. You can afford to cough up the award for Virgil and not get too bent out of shape. And it does bother me when I see people having the excessive moans about that because it's just an individual award. And at the end of the day, honestly, 
to drink it at the end of the day. And, and, and it's more about what, what I love about it. What I love about all these things. And we'll speak more about the really important things, which is this statistic after statistic that we're racking up now. What I love about that cam branch is that it shows the freaking status of this club. We've never doubted it because we remember when we were that, but that we weren't that for so long. And it was a kind of delusion. And now it's real in such a beautiful, visceral way. We are fucking huge. Took the last two words right out of my mouth. I was going to say exactly that. We are fucking huge. Um, and everybody knows it. And it, and it gets on everybody's crawl. All these other fans, they can't stand it. They, you know, there's always something that they've got to have a go at us about. Because we're, we, we, we're not only do we live in Pep's head, like, rent free. We live in all opposition fans' heads rent-free. We really, truly do. And when we get all this little bit of recognition here and recognition there, that just eats away at them, gnaws away at them. I mean, I think it's brilliant, ultimately. It's just great. And the fact that we are top of the league, champions of Europe, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a great time to be a Red fan. But, you know... It's all about getting number nineteen now for me. Well, let's get let's let's get straight into that with you because you've led into it. And um, this, after all, is uh, that's a peculiar noise there. <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry, that's, that's me leaning back on my couch. Sorry. Ah, oh, I thought you were sure it was. Uh, yeah. But 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 you you have introduced the topic, Cam, and um, of number nineteen and. Mm. We, we we crave it so badly and uh we sit five points clear of City and I don't really care for people who want to emphasize the fact that it's only six games because it's only six games and mm. we're five points clear. There are two ways of looking at this and I choose the latter, uh which emphasizes the fact that the Reds have six out of six two seasons in a row and nobody has done that before in the Premier League. That's the type of thing that I'm talking about. That's where we're at with this manager and this group of lads. And that was a painful game to endure in many ways at the weekend against Chelsea. And I think I really like many aspects of what Lampard's trying to do with them. And I think if they'd had a more effective target man, perhaps, we might have been in a spot of bother. Um, there's, there's, well, there's, there's lots. That you could argue that that there's they they were they were serious opposition and can we had forty five percent of the ball and we seeded possession with thirty five minutes left in a way that brought me back to the dark old days but we got over that line man that's what's different now yeah I mean I hear what you're saying there Trev but what people are not concentrating on as well is from what I can go because I didn't watch it yet I listened to it on the radio. Uh, I was I was in the car driving and um, had a client on board who thankfully was a Liverpool fan and wanted to listen to the game as well. So we were listening to it on the radio, and from what I could get, from what I could tell from listening to it on the radio, first forty five minutes, we were by far the better team. Absolutely, but it was it was the, the last. And, and, the and last... I get I don't get it. I mean, we were saying in the car, the next goal is going to be crucial after half time yeah. because we knew there was going to be a goal. And we had, we had 
enough opportunities at the beginning of the second half to get that third goal, and we didn't take it. And yes, they then got ahead of steam, and Kante is a wonderful football player and scored a wonderful goal. And and what a goal, yeah. It was a wonderful goal. And at the end of the day, if, if you look at some of the goals we conceded this season, they have been wonderful goals. Yeah. Mm. So, yes, it's similar to last year. Similar to last year in that in yeah. that regard. We are. It's but the thing I, is, you I, can't I, play well every game. No, it's but the, the the thing that people uh, and the point I was trying to make was what's making people a little bit more uneasy is that compared to last year, we are coughing up more chances. And yeah. compared to last year, we did not do this last year. We did not cede possession. We did not invite teams on in the way that we did from minutes, whatever, those 35 minutes left. Uh, and, and it was a sort of, not a procession, but the, the main chances were being forged by them. They had more of the ball. It was quite a dominant thing. And I mean, the statistics bear that out. The statistics of the game on the day, you may, you may, uh, cock a, cock a, a snoot at statistics. But you can't really because those statistics tell you an awful lot about how that game went. 45% of the ball for the Reds is weird. You know, the fact that we had six shots in total over the course of 90 minutes is weird to their 13. So to come out of that with a win, I suppose what I'm trying to say, Cam, and then I'm going to go across to Carl for his take, his final take on Chelsea. If he's got, if you've got any specific angle you want to approach this from, Carl, be thinking about it. What I'm saying to you is, I love winning like this. And I think it's indicative more of the fact that there is this reserve of character. You've got Virgil grimacing and, you know, annoyed because he's got to put on the afterburners and get a block in. You've got Joel Matip with the highest aerial challenge percentage in the Premier League. I'll take these things. You've got Adrian, who is absolutely holding his hand up and saying, I'm as good as anyone here in this league currently haven't been thrown in at the deep end and put under serious pressure and could have absolutely flubbed his lines and he hasn't this is what i'm talking about man we are something special right now we are i mean i mean we are we are oh, I'm struggling it we're a phenomenal football team there's no doubt about that and you you mentioned statistics um and statistics are are a very important aspect of football nowadays. And obviously we know that the most important one is goals scored and goals conceded. But I'm going to say something really controversial now. And it's, you know, you two are probably going to have a hissy fit and um, probably all the listeners will as well. But if you're talking statistics and chances conceded and goals conceded, and then I think we need to get Joe Gomez back in the team. Oh, because if you look at the statistics curve, when Joe Gomez was in the team, alongside Virgil van Dijk, we were conceding on average uh, probably a goal every other game, possibly less. Since Ever since John Matic's been in the team, we're conceding nearly a goal a game. Mm. And, as well you... as, and as well as John Matic is playing, and as brilliant as John Matic is playing, there's, there's the statistics say, I mean... I'm sure somebody will come at me and say, no, you're fucking wrong. You're, you're off your head, you know, and I probably am. But from what I can remember of seeing some statistics that I saw at one time, 
we concede nearly double the amount of goals with Joel Matip in the team mm. compared I, to Joe Gomez. But it's a very small sample size with Joe Gomez, obviously. It's only like, you know, three months. So. And also, I think you have to understand with, with Joe Gomez uh, there as well, it's not just a, as simple as that player. It's a systemic thing. And I think the way that we're defending with this higher line this year, uh, I think our midfield hasn't quite adjusted. So I'm Probably. inclined. I'm inclined to cut a lot, a lot of, a lot of, uh, a lot but of. Like I say, this goes back. This goes back to from when Joel, Joel Matip has been in the team when he came in in January, February, whenever it was. He did. He but but he also came in in, in January, February, and and, and uh, was present and our man and match in Champions, oh God, Champions League final. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not knocking. I'm. I'm just saying. At the end of the day, if we, uh, if we, if you want to look at, if you want to improve, and we still need to improve. Because we, as phenomenal as we are, there are there are weaknesses within our game at the moment, and I'm just I'm just throwing it out there. Lies, damn lies, and statistics from Cambridge there. Carl, what's your take on this on the Chelsea game to your definitive finish? Because I want to move on to MK Dons, and then we got to talk about Sheffield. So, what about uh, your Chelsea uh, assessment? Well, I'm going to treat Cam's views there with absolute silence, <laughs> and then move on. Joel Matip is the best defender in the world um, and probably the greatest human being in the world as well. Um, the, the thing about the Chelsea thing is, is that's important to me is that Chelsea, the Chelsea, this is sta- talking about 45 percent possession and things like that. We've just won 2 1 at Stamford Bridge, and I know this isn't the 2003 Chelsea team or anything like that, but that's the team we've just beaten. And Chelsea fans applauded Chelsea off the pitch for having a go at them, and yeah. we were still, and we were 2 0 up. Yeah. And, you know, and, and the goal is unbelievable. And the, and the Andy Robertson run at the end is just art, as far as I'm concerned. But you, you talk, you look at that that result in terms of the league, and everyone just looks at us and and City and know the five points and what have you. But what's mad for me is a few weeks ago when we faced Arsenal, it was the hundred percent record playoff game. We're seven clear of Arsenal now, and that was yeah. like a fortnight ago. I mean, this is the big thing for me. We're ten clear of Tottenham. Yeah. You know, Tottenham are going to finish third and, you know, the European Cup finalists. Yeah. We're 10 clear of them in six games. That's what we're doing to this league at the moment. Also, Um, before you move on, and I love where you're going with this, before you move on, for added context, we had just had our our, arses handed to us in terms of a result, not in terms of performance, by Napoli in a Champions League in which we're defending champions. That can't be anything other than a psychological kick in the face. But we turn it around and we get this edgy win in over the line. I love this team, Carl. I've, I've got a little theory about that. Um, I wrote an article about it last week. Be- the problem with having a long unbeaten run is that it gets in your head after a while and the, the easy wins become hard draws and you get off the pitch with a draw and think the record's still in place but of course you've dropped two points. So I didn't mind a Napoli result because we've lost, we got out of our system. And, yeah, that's you know, good. I like that. And, I like and, that. And you, you just take it out on the next team which is exactly what we did. I mean, um, we're in a bit pushed for time tonight, so otherwise I would talk for 40 minutes on Trent's free kick, um, oh. which is just, just practically illegal. It was that great. It's obscene. Uh, it it's, ob- it's, it's obscene. The 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 the, the uh, again, I spoke to I spoke to to, to Jan about this. The, it's it's his, it's his ball striking, Carl. Not many people on that team can hit a ball as pure as him in so many different ways. But if you watch that particular hit, it just 
explodes off his foot with precision and deafness, but also power. I mean, that kid has got no chance in there, and he's actually that, that ball's still moving. I'm convinced of it. <laughs> he's actually he's actually at the right post. Yeah, and he still has no chance because it goes out and comes back in with vicious. And uh, it's harder than the dead ball because he's got to rely on the weights and the back kick for yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Salah. That that's harder. And I also think for for a kid who's twenty one next month to to think, okay, how I like to when they're standing around Henderson and, and Salah and, and Trent and they were working on what they do and and obviously he's just gone flick it and switch it, flick it, give me another angle and I'll just bury it from there. So the second he pulled his foot back, I started celebrated. And so that's a goal straight away. You can just tell because suddenly the wall's gone and Chelsea went that quick. They're a bit naive. Um, they you know they didn't see what was what was happening there at all. And You're like Virgil Van Dijk against um, was it Newcastle when Bobby did the as soon as Bobby did the back heel to Mo and Mo got the ball. Virgil Van Dijk was yeah. on the halfway line celebrating, not ready. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's yeah. it. That's yeah. it. And that's what we need to do now. And and it, 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 there's a maturity to the team who, that when they can do things like that. And the the, the oh, thing oh, I also, hold on, hold on, Carl, hold on. You're right, little man. Good night. Good night, mate. Sweet dreams, yeah? Love you too, mate. Do you want to say bye to everyone? Yeah. Good night. Good night, mate. Good night. Right, he's gone. He's gone. There you go. Sorry about that, Carl. Sorry, people. And, and, and the big thing is, we like, we like a special guest. Um, the, the big thing for, for me is something that Klopp said uh, after the Arsenal game when you know they came to Anfield and played the Narrow Diamonds. Because of course, what you really want to do there is give the Liverpool fullbacks as much room as possible. Yeah, good, that's good tactics. It, it, it's just the way he, he said that confused us at first, but we I let the lads sit together and work it out, and that's yeah. what Liverpool are doing now. They're working things out, you know. So Chelsea, you know what Chelsea's going to do? Chelsea don't like us. They're going to come. They're going to be all gung ho. So we beat them in set pieces, and we and, and we get the ball down and we fight. But why can why why can we do that? We can do that because we have players who are. Despite the fact that they do daft videos and uh, act the act the, uh, the the you know the the the, the disingenuous dope, they're and bright. Awful, view, awful views on pizzas. Terrible views on pizzas. But they're bright men. They're you, you've got intelligent footballers yeah. everywhere. You've got you know not just international captains, not just that cliche, but intelligent readers of the game. For example, you mentioned Ali Robbo. That thing that he does on 90 minutes or 93 minutes or whatever the hell it is, where we'd have been better off. Oh, sorry, it wasn't you. It was the previous podcast. We'd have been better off if, uh, you know, he let the play go and, and we, uh, think, I, I think we had a 2v2, but who gives a shit? Because yeah. the whole beauty of that was Andy Robbo taking a chance to nick it past a lot and carry and carry and carry. Fabinho's done it in the past. Robbo himself has done it in the past. I remember going all the way back to when we were a good team in 2001. Vladdy Smeeter did it at Man United. These are the little things that make all the difference because it's just a clever player using his brain. We've got them everywhere now, and that's why we got over the line against Chelsea. That's why. There's a mutual friend of ours who always says Liverpool always have to find ways, new ways to win, and that's been the best thing. Can you talk about the 2001 team, and you talk about a typical Liverpool goal, and it's a ball over the top from Gerard or McAllister, one on one, Michael Owen, one nil. Liverpool don't do that anymore. Liverpool, okay, we'll, we'll just do this one. We'll, we'll do it this way instead. Or you know, Trent, Trent now is is now taking free kicks. 
20, 20 year old kids and he's taking them off Mo Salah. Yeah. I mean, that, that's what we're doing now, you know. So where's it going to come from? And, and it's the same with, you know, changing the forward line round all the time, you know. Um, uh, the Newcastle game where Divock went, went um, plays on the left and then tipped them to 10 minutes in the middle. Um, it's who do you pick up? They can score from everywhere. Um, they, they're defensively strong because um, John Matthews the greatest defender in the history of the game. And um, it's quite nice. And that was a big win because that was a big test. Chelsea weighs the first big test. And like, you can say Arsenal at home is a big test. And it was. But Chelsea... Chelsea's a bigger test than Arsenal. Chelsea away is a hard game. It's a, Very it's, hard. I, I, I didn't go um, because I think I've been to Chelsea more than I've been to pretty much any other ground other than my own. Um, well, their, their, their previous result in the Premier League was a 5-2 win at Wolves. So let's not underestimate how and, good and, Chelsea... And I'll, I'll, I'll take that, by the way. I'll take that all day. In terms of? Because Wolves is our place to go. They beat us twice last year. That's exactly my point. They, so the, so this they, gave, is a, they gave us two hard games at, um, at Molyneux. 100%. This is a good team. And they are underestimated at people's peril. And I, I have a, a grudging respect for Lampard, what he's trying to do. And he's also... You can see not, what he's trying to do, which is a nice thing, I think. Yeah, and he, I, would, I wouldn't overplay how well he's doing because he also has inherited a squad that's absurd, just absurdly good because of years and years and years of money being seeped into that club. He's got people like... You know, Kovacic, who you can discard when Kante comes back. He's got, you know, Jorginho, who was bought in at great expense and is starting Pedro. to look a little Pedro, bit no, like no Pedro, Pedro can't get a game. Uh, Williams is a super footballer. Um, um, Giroud can't get a game at the moment. This is a good team. Yeah, it's a great win. And look, we've got 10 and 10, as far as I can see it now, in terms of what's left in the pod. I want to talk for 10 minutes about the game that we saw last night, because there's so many good things to talk about. And I want to talk for 10 minutes about Sheffield United. This is going to be the most football-y AI pod ever. But let's just do that, because it's really interesting. Upsetting to hear. What are you saying to me, brother? I said that's upsetting to hear. I was hoping we were going to talk politics tonight. I really was. We well, you already have, man. I know, but I really wanted to expand on it. Anyway, can I, can I, can I appeal to the European courts of... No, I can't, can I? No, no. <laughs> Ah, there we go. Uh, just in case you hadn't noticed, listeners, I did ask the lads to weave in as many references as they can. So that's Cam expertly doing it there. Let's talk about last night's game because there's lots to be uh, talking about. In uh, Moby on the Spot, I spoke to Jan about the older heads and how comparatively disappointing they were, bar Jimmy Miller uh, doing Jimmy Miller things. Uh, I'd like to talk to you boys about the kids because I didn't get a chance to talk to Anna about those guys and we've got a chance to cover some new ground here. And I would start with a big shout out to my fellow Irishman, Cuevin Kelleher, who I thought uh, Cam was bloody great. I, I could not get my head around the calmness of that fella. That's exactly what Pep Linder said in the pre-match uh uh, press conference about one of his uh, one of his strengths and qualities was he was very calm on the ball. He his decision making is very good. Um, his distribution is good. He he was good on the outside. He was good on the inside, and he he showed a lot of that last night. I think one punch aside, which he punched back into the danger area, 
and then um, the shot came back in and Degsy Lovren headed it over the bar, even though Kelleher had recovered and would have saved it behind him. Um, he didn't put a foot wrong, did he? Um, he's he he looks uh, a promising young keeper. Um, he stood up to the the test of the last 10-15 minutes where the ball was coming in, you know the the crosses were coming in and uh, MK Dons were putting a bit of pressure on her. Yeah, I like what I saw. And, 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 and Cam, you're right, because there was pressure, because they yeah. were getting far too many opportunities, and it was a mixture of the, the fact that we had a lot of youth on the pitch, but also the experience that we had on the pitch was uh, less than effective. Uh, Adam Lallana is no, nobody's idea of a number six shield. Uh, Degsy had some of the worst moments I've ever seen him have in a Liverpool right, shirt. That was right, that was right in front of me. Oh, it was yeah. just... He, he, it, there was a couple of them, Carl. There were just literally yeah. cl- clown cars, and 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 you know, I, I feel bad for him because I know where he is mentally. He's thinking, "Well, this is as good as it gets for me this year," because he no. knows. But they're not getting game time. They they are so rusty. You've, um, you've, you've got to put that down as a fact, to be honest. You, they, was, they are. They've lot. not played any games all season, have they? So yeah. what what do we expect them to be? Jimmy Milner's level, who's had, who's had game time this season. There's a, there's a difference between being rusty and ending up on your arse when you're up against League One opposition. And it, that's what, that's what Degs did. And like, again, my heart goes out to him because mentally I think that kid's already sort of said, look, I gave it my everything with these guys. I got to a Champions League final. I suppose I was part of a Champions League winning squad. And now it's time for me to move to Roma or wherever, Lazio, wherever. Mm. And it just didn't come off for him. So I do feel for him. I genuinely do. But I did also get that horrible sort of wincy feeling that I know Cam Branch, you feel as well. Carl always will defend eggs and fair play, I like that. But I know that you feel the same as me, that you just go, there's a Rick in this kid and it's always there. It's always yeah. there. And I, I can't, I just don't want that to be part of my Liverpool watching experience anymore. But there it is. And look, he it did his best. But, but let's be honest. And, and uh, Carl, I'll come to you just to hop off a couple of the old boys. I said I wouldn't, but. You know, can you really put the ineffectiveness of uh, Oxley Chamberlain and Naby Keita? Uh, it's a bit harsh and Naby seems ineffective, but comparative ineffectiveness, considering the opposition and what you would expect from our boys. And of well, course, I, and of course, Adam Milana. Can you put that down to rustiness? Shouldn't yeah, those players I, I, be I, sh- I, th- I think you can for Milana because he's playing in the six, and it's not really him, is it? <laughs> <laughs> No, it's no. He, he, he was on his arse in the box at one stage as well. No, I, felt yeah. like... I thought he was as good as Luka Modric. Yeah. 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 No, it's it's it's. it's um, I I couldn't criticise Naby Keita because I was stood next to Leanne Prescott, and 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 she kept rolling her eyes every time I sort of coughed under my breath when he underplayed a ball or over hit a ball or anything like that. It's something you don't do in air hearing. Um and. I thought Naby was all right. I don't think he was anything particularly great. Um, I thought Joe Gomez was very good. Lalana was just, to be honest, it, it, look at the team we were playing. The, the, the manager obviously gone. You know, you might as well play a six because you're probably better than their six, even though you're not a six. So I think you've got to sort of. It was a training session, wasn't it? Really. I mean, the, the, the first goal was comical. The second goal was really good. And I think it was just lads, just 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 train, just get out there and train and work out stuff. So. So you know the success stories were on other sides of the pitch, but I'm not I'm not beating myself up because obviously Chamberlain didn't get a hat trick or anything like that. Um, 
Uh, I, was, I was at the game, and to be honest, after a while, I got a bit bored. <laughs> really? I'm, so, I'm thinking in a way that we're using it to, it's almost like it was a match fitness training exercise scheme. Yeah. And, that, and, and I think that's what we should just look at it. Yeah, we won the game, that's a bonus now. Let's keep playing the kids, they keep getting more game time. That's a great thing for us going forward, because that will help them in the long term when they, if they do have to step into, uh, for any reason, they're, they're on the bench or they have to come onto the pitch. Well, I've got to say, I, I've got to say, Campbell, I want to throw this to you. Uh, of all of the kids, like obviously Harvey Elliott was the most showy, uh, yeah. I thought, and, 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 you know, deserves immense credit for having, he's, he, the kid's got vision. Uh, he, he tried a couple of crossfield balls, like quick left foot crossfield balls. A couple came off, a couple got intercepted, but he saw them. He saw those passes. Yeah. Uh, and he did a lovely cross for Milner. Milner had it past the park. Just, just incredible. That's one yeah, of the most of the game. Yeah. The guy has game intelligence and it's way too early to label too much on him or sorry to ladle too much onto him in terms of praise because we've seen a million and one times how these things, uh, just dissipate over time with 16, 17 year olds. Of course. But, but he is play- yeah, but he is playing. There's a little bit more there with this kid. There's a little bit of swagger, a little bit of vision, which I like. And I don't think that's going to... I'm going to go on, out on the limb here and say I think he'll actually... I think he will actually live up to it. But the kid who impressed me most, Cameron kind of the night, was, was Curtis Jones. Because mm. he was just consistently excellent in everything he did. He was neat yeah. and tidy on the ball. He was inventive. He was uh, pacey. He was uh, forward-thinking. I genuinely love that kid. I think he's got lots to offer to this squad. I, I think with uh, Curtis Jones, he's been around a lot longer at the club. Um, and he's he's been around the first team a lot longer. So I think he's more comfortable, you know, wearing that red shirt. And don't forget, there's a big weight for a lot of these kids wearing the red shirt. They're playing. They, it's the first team game for them. It's a lot of them. It was, for a lot of them, it was their first first team game. So... It's it's not easy in that respect, you know. MK Dons should have been up for it. They should have been thinking, we're playing the kids. We've got a chance of getting at these lads. No, MK they, did, they did miss two sitters. <laughs> they they did. Been they, they did. Yeah, but then uh, going back to Elliot, he he could have had two goals. The one, he, the first one, it was harder to hit the bar than it was to score. Yeah, you know, he was six yards out. And, yeah, the ball was a little bit behind him, but he he, he got. He, he struck it really well. Uh, was, that, second, was, there, was there Ox who hit a post as well? Ox hit a yeah. post with a, yeah. with a pile driver. Again, yeah. for Ox, it was just a run out, you know, like, like I said, it was just back in. We want to get Ox back to match fitness. I think it's going to take him at least another four or five games before we even see anything like the Ox we expect. Yeah, he's still, he's still, he's still, he's still, he's still so off the, he, off the pace. He was, he was a new captain as well, I thought. And Cam, what was the second Elliot chance remind us? Um, he, he cut him from the left and he took the shot and he, uh, oh, from about yeah. 20, 22 yards out, 23 yeah, yards yeah. out, yeah. Um, 20 yards out, whatever it was, it? and it came back off the bar, didn't it? So uh, the keeper was well beaten. Again, very unlucky not to have. He could have had two goals and he would have been the youngest ever goal scorer for Liverpool. Yeah, I, I, it, it was it was that in particular. It was just the emphatic nature of his performance that I liked a lot. Uh, there was, you know, elements of um, when you saw, you, you know, we're all old enough to remember, when you saw Rooney rolling out 
in his first game for Everton. Uh, yeah, against he, 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 yeah, and he gets that goal. Uh, Harvey Elliott could have two far better goals on his debut. But there's something about the big lug and his capacity to kill a ball and control it. And Elliot has everything you want in a footballer. So I, I, I would say watch this space with that kid very much. Um, Carl, oh, oh, gonna... oh, oh, unless Fulham are listening, then he's just an average player and please don't sue us or more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think, I think they're, they're looking for about seven million. Also. Yeah, seven, they, they want another seven. Yeah, it's it's that's that's and um, you know, on the evidence, on the evidence, always say that. Yeah, plug away. I'm gonna give you Carl just one chance in the last minute on this to talk about um, uh, your experience of watching the Reds and MK Nonsense or something we didn't pick up on that you want to throw in there just in case, or else we'll move on to Sheffield United. Can't abide that club. Can't abide MK Dons, but it's actually quite a nice ground. Nice big padded seats. What's um, what's your antipathy based on, mate? Oh, the, the whole franchise thing with Wimbledon. It's, it's, yeah. a, it's an appalling thing what they've done. Um, most most people don't know that. Just explain it in a nutshell. So basically, the the the, the off break of, of Wimbledon, the, the the cup winners in '88. Pete um, Wimbledon's club, right? It's a, yeah, it's a, it's a it's a franchise thing. So they're done because of Wimbledon, and they've moved 40, 50 miles up the road. The traffic on the M1 was atrocious last night. Really bad getting to the ground. Um, again, that was brought on by um, the updates I was getting from a certain former Anfield Index correspondent telling me which road to go on. Um, yes. Oh, the, the, the Press got very good on the feedback on maps. Let me just share that with the world. God, almost. So she's she's in the back seat, just going, "Told ya." While well, we me, me and Mason trying to work out, we go to anyway. You really need to use Waze. Do okay. what? Waze your GPS. Listen to the listen to the professional driver. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's true. Okay, then you don't need to listen to Leanne. I was listening to a single person you said anyway, but so, um, sorry. So yeah, n- n- nice ground, awful, awful uh, club. I've got no time for them. So I, I, I have had a bit of a run in with them as well when I, I did a former charity thing for a former Liverpool player, and um, one of our what we did a ninety clubs, ninety two clubs for. And one of the, one of the lads lives in Milton Keynes, so we got the local press involved and said, "If you want to come outside and meet these players," and literally no one from the ground came out. I said, "Listen, we brought the press. Have some free PR on us because you bloody need it." And they couldn't be asked. That's 2008. So I've always disliked them anyway. But the ground's actually quite nice, and you get in quite easily as well. The, Record attendance last night. Yeah, 28. Yeah, there was 6,647 fans in the ground. The club we will play at the weekend will have an absolute proper club. Proper club, huge. Uh, their uh, capacity crowd uh, to play us uh, at the weekend, and I'll tell you, I'll, I'll tell you what, um, Cam. All the cliches, all the the Sean Bean crack aside, they are a proper club. And I'll tell you what, they are in a serious renaissance. They've had an injection of money. They've got a kid uh, manager in Chris Wilder who's far from a kid. Every time you see him, you go. Oh well, I'll be. I'll hold my hands up, guy. I, I didn't know anything about him until he took over uh, at Sheffield United. I knew then immediately that he'd done really well at Northampton because that was the, the reason given, um, and I realised that he had brought Northampton, who were broke, uh, to promotion um, on a hundred plus points. So he's clearly got a lot about him, and he then did pretty much exactly the same with this club. Um, 
uh, lovely st- tales of uh, pulling in at uh, service stations and getting crates of beer when they're at the bottom of the league and then they finish the league with 100 plus points ahead of Leeds United and there's all these kind of almost Kloppo-esque tales of what a man manager he is but he's clearly a very clever operator as well I know they've got interesting sort of features to their play when they're on top like they were in the championship like they were in League One they've got uh, three at the back, they've got overlapping centre halves in, in, in the shape of uh, Chris Basham and Jack O'Connell. Very interesting to see that when you see uh, the centre half appearing in your in your box. We we think it's only the likes of us who can do that. Uh, I listened to a Sheffield United fan on Harry Setti's show say, "Well, we probably won't try that against the Reds. What with the forward line and all." But I'm interested here, just in the last few minutes here. How you're feeling about this particular challenge? Uh, if you know anything particularly about them or anything you'd be particularly concerned about, I know they've got like an interesting squad. They've got McBurney and Robinson up front. You know, they've got, uh, like I said, the, the center halves who'd like a wander. They've got Fleck and Norwood and Lundstrom. What do you think? Because I have a feeling that this might be our toughest outing yet. You know what, I, I knew absolutely nothing about him. And after what you just said, I am I am worried. I, I am genuinely worried now. Your uh, worries every week, man. You know what I've come you to realise? You know what I've come to realise about myself? I always thought I was a, a glass half full type of guy. But I reckon I'm actually a glass half empty type of guy. Yeah, you've, you've never been a glass half full kind of guy. Not not on this show, brother. You're you're always the one who's. I'm not sure. Oh, I well, thanks for confirming my worst fears. Well, uh, no, it's, it's it, yeah. dude. There's no fears here. It's like you you you're you're a uh, you're a realist stroke pessimist. Whereas I think <laughs> I think I think you're a realist stroke pessimist masquerading as an optimist. Whereas myself and Kopak are realist stroke optimist masquerading a pessimist. It's an interesting sort of a balance that we've got here, but probably yeah. Yeah. What, I'll, what, I'll go with that. I'll go with that. What 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 I'm saying I, I, I fear happiness, that's a difference. I know, I know, brother. I, I fear it. I what know. is it? What is happiness? Well I mean, it, it, I mean just just look at the state of our country right now. What is happiness? Tell me. Oh, there, oh there we go. There's a philosophical question that's oh, been God. Raised by Carl Kalbach there and also echoed by Cambridge and the idea of the fear of happiness because, you know, how long does it last and then what comes after it? That's interesting. And that goes back to the whole optimism, pessimism thing. But can we talk about Sheffield United if you don't mind? Just <laughs> so we've got that. And we have got two minutes left because Guy, Guy Drinkle's looking at his thing saying it's 21.09. This prick said he'd be done at 21.10. So I'm going to give you both a chance to oh, say something a humbug here, isn't it? about. Sheffield United, one each. We've never won a Premier League game at Sheffield United. You've what? We've never won a Premier League game at Sheffield United. Ooh, there we go. That's right on message. Carl Kopak, your feelings around Sheffield United? We've played them once in 11 years. That's what we've <laughs> Yeah, we've only played three games there, mind. <laughs> uh, I do enjoy that very much. So, uh, can I get a, a, a sort of a feel about how you think it's going to go? Um, uh, reverse this time. Carl, do you reckon the Reds will have enough to get past what it will be a, st- a stern challenge? Uh, it's a stupid time. It's a, it's a good team in their home ground. What do you reckon? Liverpool win. Liverpool and always win. Liverpool always win. Cam, what's your take? 
Um, I'm going to miss the game because I'm always stupid enough he decided to get married. Um, I'm, going to talk, I'm going to try and talk him out of it tomorrow so I can watch the game instead. Excellent idea. Uh, you know, priorities like, you know. Um, oh, God. Uh, I, I think you're right. It's going to be, it's, it's going to be our toughest game of the season so far. Um, if you think Chelsea was tough, I think this is going to be as tough. I think we'll scrape it. Just, but I am being the optimist though. We didn't get a chance to talk about Divock Origi's hair. We didn't get a chance to talk about... Has he really got that corner taken quickly? Put in there, or was that just a Photoshop? He's got a completely... He's, they're all gone. He's got a completely new barn. It's very sharp. I love it. We didn't get a chance to talk about Nike versus New Balance. We didn't get a chance to talk about... Um, the fact that the people took a vote in 2016 and the least thing... <laughs> Etc. We didn't get a chance to talk about... Seven out of seven breaking their... Beating the previous record of six out of six. Yeah, he's, he's done really well. He's the Marco Silva of politics. It's quite impressive. We didn't get a chance to talk about Bernardo Silva and Pep Guardiola and racism gate. That would have been a bit of crack as well. We didn't get a chance to talk about that. And no, it's okay. I, I have reviews on that. So I, we all have views on this. So hopefully they'll they'll keep until next week. We'll go very quickly. Twenty one eleven. You literally have thirty seconds each. Carl Kopak, final thoughts. I want to talk about his comeback recommendations and I want to talk about a podcast called Rainbow Valley, which is a special podcast about events that happened in the 1960s. And I mentioned this yesterday on Twitter and ended up having a very, very nice chat with the man who runs it and who narrates it. It's basically, if you're into the 60s stuff and things like um, the Stones at Altamont, the Great Train Robbery, which is a two-hour podcast. There's two one-hour shows on Brian Epstein. There's one about um, the, the events of 1961. Um, it, I'd say it's, and, and, and I've done a few shows in my time. I, it's one of the most enjoyable podcasts I've ever listened to ever. And hello, Scott, because I know that you're listening in. Because he said name, name, name again, mate. Rainbow Valley Podcast. It's fantastic. It's RV underscore podcast thing on Twitter. Have right, a listen well, if you like if you like your 60s like stuff. It's so good. Well, that'll do for me, and I will be listening tomorrow. And I'll start with that ultimate one. And uh, hello, Brian, is it? Yeah, Scott. Scott, all right, Scott, I'm looking forward to hearing what you've got to offer. And Mr. Branch, what have you got? All right, uh, two quick ones. Uh, Netflix recommendations, Mindhunter Season 2. Fantastic. It's, it's superb. And Bill Tench Ultra. Yeah. Bill Tench Ultra. We, we are the Bill Tench Ultra. Yeah, very much so. Very much so. And this is phenomenal if you've not seen it. With a, um, It's the spy with a... Is it Sasha Cohen? Sasha Baron Cohen. My kid yeah. tells me it's amazing. It is. Honestly, it, it, it will grip you. You will not, you will want to watch uh, the six episodes. They're like an hour each. Honestly, try and do it on a Sunday. Just watch all six. Just clear your schedule. You will not be disappointed. And my quote to finish with, I'm continually inspired by nature. And the rainbow is one of the nature's greatest optical phenomenons. The sighting of a rainbow never fails to bring a smile to people's faces. They signify optimism and positivity. With them comes the sunshine after the rain. Love the symbolism. Who's that from? Matthew Williamson. 
I do love that Matthew Williamson says phenomenons even more than the symbolism. That was tremendous. Thank you, Cam Branch. Thank you to our subscribers. Thank you to Carl Kopek. Thank you to producer Guy Drinkle, who's eyeing us with incredible, incredible annoyance because we're dragged on. It's, it's dragged a mix on. of patience, patience and contempt. It's, yeah, it's, 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 it's tolerant hatred, I think. It's, it's, it's a sort of, I knew you'd fuck up, and we did. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, if you He's are watching his Toby Carberry at the same time, though, which is quite worrying. Listen, listen you, uh, we are. We, if you, we need a coping device, don't we? And that's a coping device for us. I've been Trev Downey. They've been the lads. Until we speak to you again, look out for your fellow Reds and stay safe out there. Podcast Network.